Welcome to Corizant Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Anthony Dayton. Anthony Dayton, Chief Product Officer at Tamer, oversees product and solution strategy for Tamer's growing data mastering solutions. Previous to Tamer, Anthony was Chief Marketing Officer at Salonis and Chief Product Officer at Click, and has over 20 years experience building and scaling enterprise software companies. Anthony also serves as an investor, advisor, and board member to startups around the world, including Grid.is, Cardo, Einblick.ai, VizLive UK, Interos.ai, Miracle, and Reckoner. He began his career in enterprise software at Siebel Systems, where he helped found the Employee Relationship Management Business Unit and holds a bachelor's degree in math and economics from Northwestern University and an MBA with high distinction from Harvard Business School. Well, good afternoon, Anthony. Welcome to the show. A pleasure to be here. Awesome. Great to meet you. Another day, another podcast. I traverse the world and I love meeting new people. And, and that's why we're here today, Anthony, and to really share your story and get it out to the world. But let's jump right into the questions, Anthony. You've got quite the career in product management. You're senior advisor, board member. Now you're the chief product officer for Tamer. Could you share with our audience the secret to your career growth and what inspires you? Sure. So those are two uh, different questions. Maybe starting with the second one first, what, what inspires me? When I began my career, my first job out of undergrad was in management consulting, uh, which I enjoyed very much, uh, enjoyed the intellectual activity. But what I realized very quickly is that at my heart, I was a geek. I enjoyed computers and technology and software and the difference that it could make in the world. And in working in management consulting, I was working on interesting business problems, but not really fundamentally anything about technology. And that prompted me to make the career shift and get into uh, software and technology. So again, early recognized that what inspires me is frankly just fun and interesting software uh, and tech. And when you see, you know, the, the, you often hear this adage that there's very little difference between great software and magic. It, you know, it seems sort of magical. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. When you see something uh, a piece of software that that works in this kind of uh, really uh, unique and interesting way. It feels it feels as close to magic as you're going to get, uh, at least in the business world. And then the second, first part of your question, which sort of what's the secret? So I'm not sure there's any great <laughs> secret. One thing, one guiding principle I've used throughout my career is to to do the job no one else wants to do. Uh, there's a tendency, especially when you're early in your career. To try to find the plum assignment, the great project, the the one you know that everyone you know, there's a there's something that everyone wants to do, and you want to sort of compete for the thing that everyone's competing for, um, and generally found better success in trying to find the things that no one wants to do. And the reason that's a, a useful strategy is when you get into a, a project that, in a sense, no one else wants to do, the bar is very low. Typically, you have some senior executive who's got a problem they're trying to solve. No one wants to solve the problem. And then you step and say, no, no, I'll take, I'll take that problem on and I'll, I'll solve it. You know, they weren't having the problem solved before. And now you've stepped in and you solved the problem. You appear to be a hero. And having the bar low means, in a way, that, you know, it's easier to, to show success. In contrast, when you go after something like the plum assignment that everyone wants to do, the bar is set very high and it's hard to uh, sort of excel at that. 
Um, so finding those sort of those jobs that that uh, that are challenging and that no one else sort of really wants to take on, making a difference and sort of solving a problem is a great way to sort of uh, demonstrate success and, and put yourself uh, in a position to 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 prove yourself as somebody who can you can get stuff done. Love your story. Love the background. You know, starting in that tech background and then moving into you know how do you find those problems? And, and as you said, maybe using magic, right? So. Anthony, we're going to kind of switch gears here a little bit because I want to talk to you about your platform, your data mastering platform, quite frankly, where you integrate machine learning and human feedback to break down data silos. Can you share something on that? Tamer as a company and a technology came out of academic research at MIT. Uh, An academic there, sort of Turing award-winning academic named Mike Stonebreaker, had begun a set of research on the challenge of what we call today data mastering. Uh, And the the challenge he set out is, imagine that you have not hundreds, but thousands, maybe tens of thousands, or even hundreds of thousands of tables of data. And you know that trapped inside those many different tables of data are information about some key business topics that matter to you. Could be, for example, who are my customers or uh, who are the suppliers that we do business with? Or you know, who are the employees that work here across all of our uh, countries or regions, that sort of thing? What are the products we sell? What are the parts that make up those products, et cetera? And, and we call these things uh, entities. But anyway, uh, so the, the question he was struggling with academically was, how do I find that information across thousands and thousands of tables? And the key insight that the academic team had was that to do that, using a manual rules-based approach was a fool's errand. And meaning you might be able to do it for one or two tables, for a couple thousand, maybe 10,000 records, right? You might be able to sort of uh, slog your way through that. But once you got up into hundreds of thousands, millions of records, uh, or many, many tables, it just became uh, an exponentially difficult problem. And this is uh, about eight years ago. And at that time, they academically, they said, well, if we could train a machine to do this work, then we could scale that problem to essentially infinite amounts of data, infinite numbers of tables. Um, at the time, that seemed like a bit of a crazy idea. Machine learning was a fairly new technology, a new concept. And the idea that we could train a machine to do something that humans are very good at seemed like it may not be possible. That was the foundation in a way of Tamer, which is inventing the algorithms in machine learning to train a, a, a machine to be as good as people are at identifying patterns in data around business entities. And uh, from that uh, academic foundation, uh, a company was formed, the company now we, we call uh, Tamer, uh, to commercialize uh, the concepts and ideas that were invented in the academic research. Interesting. I love how people are set out to solve a problem and out of a solution becomes, again, a company or or, or an idea that uh, takes off. So thank you. I appreciate the story. And Anthony, you're obviously leveraging some new and emerging technologies within your tech stack. We just talked a little bit about that. Is there something else you might be able to share with us today? So the other piece of tech that I think is really relevant for Tamer is cloud technology. And this is a really, I think, a really important sort of fundamental uh, idea. So as I talked about earlier, the kind of origin story of, of Tamer is this idea of machine learning. And machine learning seems like a really intuitive and good idea. Oh, we'll just train the machine to find uh, information trapped in large amounts of data. 
The challenge with machine learning is that it's incredibly compute intensive. You need to process a lot of data and you need to be able to do that in a timely way. And if you look, uh, if, if you're trying to do this many years ago, or maybe to say it differently, if you're trying to do this before the cloud, that meant that the customer had to run a large infrastructure, a lot of machines to do that data processing. And that's obviously very expensive because most of the time those machines aren't doing work. What's happened over the last uh, 10 years, but certainly over the last three to five, is we've seen this significant increase in the uh, mainstream adoption of cloud technology. And what that's provided is a highly scalable set of compute resources available in the three major clouds, AWS, Azure, uh, and GCP. And what that means is that this idea of running large amounts of compute to calculate and do machine learning at scale is something that frankly, anyone, uh, any company and certainly even any person can do quite cost-effectively today. You don't need to, to run all of this infrastructure yourself. Um, you can just rent it uh, by the minute from, from the cloud or from any of the three major clouds. And this is a sort of really important underlying idea because it takes this approach, which is a machine learning based approach to finding meaning in disparate data, which is what Tamer does, and turns it from being something that's quite hard to implement because you need to stand up a lot of infrastructure to making it something that's quite easy to implement because you can do it easily and cost effectively uh, on the cloud. There's been a, a major shift in the cloud or edge computing, that sort of thing that has really accelerated uh, machine learning in this space. And so I appreciate what you share with what you're doing at your company today in regards to that technology. And Anthony, last question here. Can you share something from your career experience that might be helpful for those looking to grow their career in product management or technology? Sure. So I talked about this idea of uh, academic research and then this shift to cloud computing, which takes this idea and approach of machine learning and makes it sort of implementable and feasible. There's a generalized idea there, which I think is helpful for people to think about it. So a slight digression. Uh, when I was at school, I had the uh, pleasure and opportunity to take a class on disruptive technology, in Clay, which is um, based on Clay Christensen's work. And Clay was one of the professors teaching the class. Um, and uh, it was it was a really interesting class. Uh, and in a funny way, and very much to your question, it's formed the foundation of a lot of the work that I've done uh, over the years in, in tech. The very basic idea was what you see with a disruptive technology is an approach which doesn't make any sense, which is inferior to the incumbent solution that then becomes with time superior because, and this is the important part, because of some platform shift, which makes this previously worse solution better, better than the incumbent. So in the example we talked about before, the if you have lots and lots of data, you're trying to find meaning in that data. Before cloud technology, a machine learning based approach was not a good idea. Uh, it was a good idea academically, it wasn't a good idea practically, right? It, was, it wasn't easy to implement. Along comes the cloud, makes large amounts of compute inexpensively available at your fingertips. And all of a sudden, this idea of doing this work using a machine learning approach makes a ton of sense, right? So what's important there uh, from a career and thinking about product management perspective is I think it's very important for 
people who are thinking about where to go in their career to look carefully at what's happening at platform technologies. Because Tamer didn't invent the cloud. Tamer took advantage of the cloud and took this previously, took a, an approach which made sense academically and made it very practical. So keeping in touch with platform shifts that are going on uh, in, in sort of um, uh, platform providers is a way of looking at what approaches previously may not have made a lot of sense, but become the dominant uh, design pattern uh, in the future. And we've seen this, uh, you know, the shift from 32 to 64 bit on servers, you know, made in memory uh, a very successful approach. The shift we talked about cloud, I think the, the shift that Apple did with uh, mobile technology with between iPhone and iPad, uh, again, uh, we're right in the middle of a shift today with ARM on the desktop from, from Apple again. Um, so there's a lot of, um, there, and there are many, many other platform shifts that maybe I'm less familiar with around, you know, display technology, what we see with VR and AR, like, the, and, you know, which are less sort of uh, my, <laughs> my area of expertise. But as, a, as somebody who's advancing their career, staying in touch with platform shifts, I think is a really good lens through which to view uh, applications that run on those platforms and thinking about which ones are going to become uh, dominant designs uh, in the next three to five years. You're absolutely right, Anthony. There's been such a shift, especially recently during the pandemic. A lot of innovations have come out and people have really accelerated things. But you're right. Like you, I, I continue to go back to get myself educated and, and I learn a lot from people like you on this show. So I appreciate the share today. And Anthony, it was a pleasure having you on today. And I look forward to speaking with you real soon. Yeah, my pleasure is all mine. And uh, thanks for the time. Bye for now. Bye for now.